0: Welcome to Millennial Money Minutes, where we tackle tough personal finance topics in five minutes or less, with your host, Grant from MillennialMoney.com and Matt from DistilledDollar.com.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome today. We have a special guest, uh, Coach Carson from CoachCarson.com. Really excited to have him on the show. Uh, First heard about him from a a good blogger buddy of mine. Mad Fientist recommended him, and uh, we're really excited to talk today. So... um, so Chad, um, you know, just give us a little bit of uh, background about yourself and, uh, you know, how would you introduce yourself to, you know, someone asking about what's Coach Carson?
2: Sure. Yeah, well, I've, I'm 37 years old. and So I guess kind of the brief introduction is that I've been I've been a full-time entrepreneur for the last 15 years. So right after I graduated from college, I jumped into actually the real estate investing game. So that was sort of my my path into business and finance. And I was uh, kind of at that decision point after college where I was a pre-med major, biology, sort of thought about thought about going into the business world and working for somebody else. But the, the path I did take was just, it just, I was always excited about the idea of being a small entrepreneur, doing my own thing, starting my own business. And so that's what I did 15 years ago. And ever since then, I've been, you know, we used to buy and sell a lot of houses, still do that a little bit. And then I've also bought a lot of rental properties and have sort of used that, that real estate vehicle to, to be my kind of vehicle towards financial independence. Awesome. And I, yeah, so I've been writing about it at CoachCarson.com to share some of my stories and tips and focus on real estate, but also some other personal finance and personal development and try to help people kind of move that direction.
1: So, so take us back, you know, maybe, or, or, or what would you say for someone maybe just graduating, you know, starting off, what, what would you have done differently or, you know, how did you start?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of fortunate. I think I wouldn't have done much differently. Um, There were some ups and downs for sure. Like one one particular down was that we started growing our business and buying a lot of houses, like right in 2007, so right before the downturn of the market. So it shows you how good good I am, or not good I am, at predicting the market. But uh, we bought a lot of properties right before the downturn of the recession. And so I think I would have, you know, I learned a lot from that. And we made a lot of money on some properties, and we. Lost some money on other properties, but I think the it made me a better investor, a better business person by doing that. So, you know, maybe I could have done better then, but I th- I think the things that I would recommend that I did do well was particularly for even if you're not a real estate investor, is looking at your housing more as an investment, particularly in your 20s and, and 30s. Uh, I just I see so many people buying big houses and and just really spending a lot of money on one of their biggest expenses, housing. And I think there's a lot I talk a lot about just different ways you could either reduce your housing payment just just buying a simpler house or even kind of taking it to the next level and doing house hacking or live in flips or these kind of techniques where you can actually make money on your personal residence instead of just writing a check for twenty thirty years and and not making any money on it
1: yeah, it makes sense so so take us all the way back to the first first property that you purchased, you know, what was saving up for it a difficulty or, you know, take us through the, you know, that hurdle to get to that first property.
2: Yeah. So I kind of had a unique start because I had, I had a thousand bucks in the bank when I got started in real estate investing. So, you know, I didn't even have 5% down for a property. And so I, I got a little bit creative. Um, I actually went back. So I learned how to buy properties by basically going out and scouting deals for other investors who did have money. So the very first year, like I all I all I had was hustle. Like I really didn't know what I was doing, but I would talk I talked to some experienced investors who said, these are the kind of properties we want, here's the prices we want. And so I would just hustle and door knock and talk to realtors and send letters out and just figure out how to find good deals. And with sort of the idea that if you find a really good deal, then you can put a deal together and find the money. And that's really the way it worked out for me. At first I used to just pass those deals on to somebody else and make a small finder's fee. Uh, but later on, the way I finally started doing my first real estate deals all, by myself was going to another investor who had the money and they loaned, basically I went to a local bank to get part of the, uh, the money for the loan and then the other investor loaned me the rest of the money and we just split the profits on it. Uh, so that's, that's how I got my start was basically doing some joint ventures with people who had the money and I didn't put any of my own money in and then we would just split the profit whenever we sold the property.
0: So, are you a bigger fan of flipping or renting?
2: I mean, I like them both, but I think if we're if we're talking to the audience of people who are you know not like full time gung ho real estate investors, I mean, rental properties to me are like the uh, just an awesome engine for building wealth. Whereas flipping is a is a business, you know, it's a side hustle, it's a way to make some money, some chunks of cash, but it's not. I'd say it's, it's only for a small number of people. Whereas rental properties. I see a large number of people who could own one or two rental properties, get them paid off at one one day and, and make two or 3000 bucks a month for the rest of their life from a rental property. Um, so I think rental properties are more flexible. They're a really good wealth building vehicle. They're a really good income vehicle. Um, so I'd say for the, I'm a bigger fan of that just because it's a, such a flexible kind of uh, way to make, make
0: money over the long run. And when did you uh, get your first rental and, what was that process like and, and how quickly did you acquire them? Because from, from what I understand, you have quite a portfolio now. And, you know, what, what was that process like of, of building a rental profile? Yeah, so
2: that's a good question because it took me several years to actually start getting rental properties. Like we, we were just buying and flipping and saving up cash. And so I, I think that's my message to people who are thinking about real, rental properties. is it's, it's not a quick money-making game. It's really, it's really a slow burn where you make money 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, a lot of money. But over the first, when you first start, you've actually got to feed a lot of cash into it. And so with my story, we had to make some money and start saving some money and get a good reserve fund and save up some money for repairs on the properties before we could actually buy our first rental. And so that, that took me a couple, two, three years to do that. And I actually have a business partner. The two of us started the business together. And so we we finally, you know, I was always finding deals anyway because we were flipping houses. And so every once in a while, I'd see one that said, you know, this one's a really good, looks like a really good rental property. And I, I actually found some some sellers who would finance the property to me, where I would I would make a down payment to them, let's just say five thousand bucks, and they would finance the other ninety five thousand dollars to me. And I and instead, so they were kind of transferring from being a landlord. So they might have been a, a person who owned a property for 20 or 30 years and they were kind of tired of it. And they here I am, a young a young buck who's looking to get in the game. And we, we built a rapport. They trusted me. And so they kind of became the bank for me to where I, I made a down payment and then I made a, an interest payment, a principal and interest payment to them every single month and, and turned into a passive investment for them.
0: It sounds like so much of this was driven – by a few, maybe one or two mentorships. It sounds like you were working for some wealthy guys and then, you know, you learned the business from them. And, you know, one of the things that we really talk a lot about, you know, on our blogs and just the podcast is just the importance of finding a mentor in anything that you want to do because the older generation, you know, a lot of them really love to teach once they've mastered the game. Um, Can you talk a little bit about your mentor and that process?
2: Yeah, I mean that's a really good point. Um, I mean, I've had lots of good mentors, and I think they they've, they've not only helped me, you know, move forward, but they've also bailed me out of posit- of times when I would have done something really stupid. So I think it, it's kind of like an insurance policy, and it's a <laughs> wealth of knowledge, you know. Um, and I, for me, my first one was my father. I, I, my father had rental properties, and I never thought I was going to get into rental, the real estate business when I was younger. I, was, I thought it was crazy because he used to take me and my brother when I was ten years old, and he would buy a foreclosure house. It was all nasty and had trash piled up and had, you know, rats running out the back door and that kind of stuff. And he'd, he'd drop us off for three hours and say, hey, boys, you know, go clean up this house. I'll be back in a few hours and leave us with these big piles of trash. And so I thought it was kind of a crazy business to get in. But, you know, I, kind of observing from a, a passive observing of my father was a really helpful thing to see he was an entrepreneur and this is how he did it. And so once I got into the business, it was really nice to be able to call him up but then I also had I had a professor at, at Clemson University where I went to school and I went back and I took some business classes just for the fun of it. And I heard he was a real estate investor, had rental properties. And I just went up to him after class and said, I'm really interested in real estate. I don't know much, but I'm really eager to learn. And like you said, that there's so many people who have experience that when they see a younger person who has sincerity and who shows that they're willing to listen and learn and ask questions, I mean, they, they'll, open, they'll open it up for you. And to me, that's kind of like the blogging world. I see a lot of you know you're, you're, the blogs you guys write, and I know with mine, I'm I'm very willing to be open and, and help people out because of all the mentorships that have helped me to get where I am. So it's just like a big circle, you know. You give you give knowledge and you receive it. But from the receiving from the person who's the re- person receiving the information, you have to be coachable. You have to be willing to be coached. You can't be a know it all and say here's what you know, here's what I've done. Look at me. You've got to be willing to say hey, I realize that I'm just starting or I don't know everything. Can can you help me out? Can you tell me what you know?
1: Yeah, it's a great point, Uh, especially earlier with, uh, yeah, like being coachable, especially when uh, I feel like when, you know, a lot of of people get asked questions, you know, what would you do to be successful? And they, you know, they give out answers, but it's rare to have someone that's eager to, to actually listen and then go back and be like, hey, you know what? I implemented that advice and I'm, you know, eager still and I'm looking to learn more. And that's like you said, that's where those relationships really start and really, you know, the mentorship mentee process really gets going. So when did you, uh,
0: reach financial independence? It sounds like, I think Matt was maybe saying you live in Ecuador now and, uh, you know, what, what's kind of, what, what was that transition point when you realized that, wow, this is going to be my life and I've got (sighs) a real viable business here and I can, you know, I can do some other stuff now.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's, it's been kind of a tricky question for me because I've been an
0: entrepreneur all along.
2: And so I've always, you know, woken up every day and said, all right, I'm unemployed today. I got to go like make some money. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, I've still got that mentality to some extent, but my, my wife is, I'm in therapy. My wife is helping me with that. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, I think, I think it was when I finally started, we started getting rental properties and, even in two thousand seven, eight, and nine, like when it really got bad with the real estate market, you know, we had to kind of button up the hatches, and we had a lot of cash saved up. But we was re- really weren't sure like how much we needed, and it turned out that we needed a lot of cash because we just did some stupid stuff beforehand, and we had to feed deals, negative cash flow deals, for a while. So I think we were we had some of the foundations set before the recession, great recession, two thousand nine and ten. But it really wasn't until probably, you know, we're in 2017 now, a couple of years ago where we finally said, all right, I think we're not like bleeding cash permanently. And we're sort of, our, our boat is still pretty good. We have these rental properties. And, and so, you know, we, we've been producing income from our rental properties that pay for our lifestyle for, for that a period of time. So I guess in that, in that respect, you know, my minimum expenses have been covered for a while for mineral properties. Um, but you know, as an entrepreneur, going back to that point, is I always look at it as that I always feel secure knowing that I've got multiple ways to make money. And so, uh, you know, I've got the rental properties who pay the basic stuff. And that's allowed me to go like I'm in Ecuador right now. My wife and I, my two kids, we're living here and we're not really trying to grow this year. Or we're not trying to buy and sell. We're just kind of keeping it stable. And when you go to another country, you know, living off a few thousand bucks a month is not a not a big deal in, a, in, a, in a, other places outside the U.S., and so we're kind of stable there, but then I'll, I've sort of looked at my financial independence journey like I'm climbing a mountain, and so I've hit a bunch of plateaus along the way, and like 2009 was a plateau. We, we took a mini-retirement, like pre-kids, where we went to South America and backpacked around and, and traveled to Argentina and Chile and Peru and did all sorts of fun stuff, and so like I was at a pretty good point then, but we weren't completely satisfied, and then we climbed the mountain a little bit more, and we're at a pretty good point now, but there's there's still a few things that I think we can improve on. So, like I've been less when I first started. I was really obsessed about like defining what when I would get to financial independence. Whereas now I feel like I keep getting progressively better and better, and I'm pretty content with where we are. But you know, there's always a little bit
0: little more you can do, and there's a lot more growth I can do and different places I can go. So no, this is this is just a great interview. This is a great conversation, and one of the things. That really hits me in, in reading your blog and, and now just listening to you in person. You know, you just have such a perspective on what I'd really just call balance. Um, you know, so many people in your position, they start generating an income and it's always more and more and more and more. Um, can you talk a little bit about how really your, I don't want to say life, but how sort of what you want out of life changed from the time that you started uh, you know, investing in real estate to now because it seems like that, you know, seems like your your sort of dreams and what makes you happy might have shifted a little bit.
2: Yeah, well, I appreciate the compliment and you know, it's definitely something I strive for, but I I don't think I'm I still got a long way to go in the balance department. But I think some of the time you know, we all kind of learn when we get burned. And I think I learned when I got burned, back to that story when we bought a bunch of properties in two thousand seven. And, you know, we, we be, just to give you perspective, we began in 2003. Like, that's right when I got out of college and I just hustle, hustle, hustle. My business partner and I did. and We finally started growing and we, we went to seminars and we read books and we were we we're basically kind of modeling other people, which is good and bad. It's good because you, you get to kind of see how other people do things. But for us, it was a little bit bad because we, we borrowed goals from other people. Like, for example, we saw a seminar where this really impressive lady was flipping 50 houses per year. And she was making $20,000 per house. And so like I, I used to play football and I got hit in the head a few times, but I can still do that math. You know, 20,000 times 50 is what? Is that's a million dollars. Wow, that's really impressive. And so like we were kind of in that impressionable, it sounds really naive, but we were, like in that impressionable first two years of business. We we're like, wow, that's, we're kind of doing what she's doing. We just need to do more of it. And so we set out to sort of build our business bigger at that point. And we did it and we really got really good at marketing. I mean, I got really good at buying properties and in 2007 we bought, we had 50 closings where we bought 50 properties in one year right what? before the cliff, you know? What? Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. so, so just kind of, it's kind of nuts, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> but so, you know, part of that was good. Like I, we had some flips that we made a bunch of money on. We had some rental properties that were, you know, that had seller financing with 10 and 15 year amortizations. All we need to do is just hold on for, 10 years and we pay them off, but we had enough bad deals where we were like, Oh crap, you know, we need to really step back and think about this. And so we, we, it kind of forced us to say, you know, why did, why are we doing it? How, why do we have a goal to do this in the first place? Like, what do we like to do? And for me, like we, we, my business partner and I I can remember just sitting down in his living room and that we wrote down, like, what are the things that we personally like to do and what is this business going to do for us? And I remember writing down, Play basketball, pick up basketball for two hours in the middle of the day. Nice. And I was like, well, "Crap!" You know, how, how much does it cost me to play basketball? Zero. But like, well, what do I need to do to, to play basketball and to, and, you know, later on to travel and to do all this other stuff? Well, I needed time. I needed flexibility. If I was flipping fifty houses a year or had some big, huge business, you know, that wouldn't allow me the time and flexibility to do it. And so I needed money, yes, but it, it sort of just it kind of brought into a reality check that, hey, you need money, but you also need these other things. And so it, it, it was sort of a reorientation of our business to where we said, you know, not only are we going to make money, but we also have to check. Every time we buy a property, every time we expand our business, we need to make sure we're actually looking at our time and our flexibility and making sure those things are still good that way that you know, we can do what we want to do. And so that sort of manifested into these many retirements and this trip to Ecuador. You know, I could have made a lot more money over the last two years if I didn't want to go to Ecuador. But me being here with my wife and my kids and them learning Spanish and me getting a new experience is just, I mean, that's just priceless. And to be able to do that in your 30s is like worth more money than I could ever have in my whole life. So that's sort of the perspective we've tried to adapt over
1: time. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Um, so. Out of curiosity, then, so if someone were to say, you know, hey, I only invest in the stock market, I, I don't like real estate; it's too risky. You know, what would you say to that to that person coming from, you know, only investing in the stock market or or only investing in something outside of real estate?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I like stocks too. Like, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a kind of, I try, I'm trying to be more balanced. You know, I, I had very, I was very heavy in real estate for because that's my business, but we we're diversifying and doing some different stuff too. But um, I sort of look at real estate like if if you're a person, you have just a lot of decisions in the investment world and passive index investing is awesome. Like, you know, I see the merits of that. I don't mind buying three thousand companies, U.S. companies and saying, all right, guys, go go make me some money for the next 20 years. But, you know, even Warren Buffett, who's like one of the best investors on picking investments of of all time, he recommends people buy investment uh, index funds as well. But the thing with Warren Buffett is he also says if you're somebody who's willing to put a little bit of sweat equity into it, if you're willing to study and analyze deals, then you could, you could actually make some money being a value investor, being somebody who looks for value. Well, like, So me personally, I don't think it's very very competitive to go try to be a value investor in the stock market. I just think there's too many people looking at it. There's not enough stocks out there. But if you want to be somebody who goes to a, on a local level, and has a competitive advantage of saying, you know what, I'm going to go on these five streets in Chicago. You know, I'm not going to go all over the country. I'm not going to buy. Every- all I need is like three properties. And you become the expert on value in those three streets. Yeah, that That's not risky at all because you, you, you're using your knowledge and using your expertise to then go and apply that to buying a property. And real estate's a much more, uh, it, it, it benefits you if you're somebody who, has cash and has knowledge as opposed to the stock market it's really hard to buy buy low sell high in the stock market but if you go out and if you really study the real estate market you can get some little competitive advantages and some angles that nobody else even if they have a billion dollars can have over you and so I, that's what I would tell people is that you know balance that if, if you're somebody who likes a little bit of control who doesn't mind getting, you know getting your hands dirty a little bit not, and I'm not saying repairing like I can't repair anything. I can just write good to-do lists, um, but if you're willing to get your get in, involved a little bit, it's there's, it, it will pay you for that time uh, by doing that.
1: Awesome, yeah. I mean, so kind of to your point about being a value investor for real estate, um, you know, what what are some of the skill sets or maybe the you know the things that you're looking for? Um, or I should say, what are, you know, what are the what are the traits that you have that you think are beneficial? Uh, they could include like credentials or, or maybe more of those seminars, things like that. Um, you know, what was influ- uh, influential and, and beneficial as you were accumulating all these properties?
2: Yeah, I think I'll speak to just like to some specific skills. So, like you know, real estate is a business, and so there's certain knowledge, skill, and skills that you have to have. And one of the most important is understanding value. And so, like, why why is a piece of real estate, like, why is that house worth what it is, or why is that four-unit apartment building, you know, why is it worth that? You know, what makes it worth it? And and, in some ways, real estate is really intuitive. So, like, if you've lived in an apartment or you've lived in a house in your life, which all of us have, then you pretty much know why people live in certain areas. You know, they want to be close to the coffee shop, they want to be close to a park, they want to be in a good school district in some areas. And so, if you just make a list of all those things in your area, that make someone want to live in a certain place, um, those kinds of criteria, those qualitative criteria are super important for value of real estate. Um, and but then on the other hand, so that, that's kind of like the, the fuzzy kind of qualitative parts of real estate that you really need to study and kind of become good at. Um, and then there's the month, mu- there's the numbers as well. And that's sort of your quantitative or your financial analysis. And, and so that those, you know, the people who love the spreadsheets and the analysis you know, that that's where that comes in. And so, You know those two skills. I think the qualitative of just getting out and and the qualitative stuff. You just need to get out in a neighborhood and walk around and you know walk your dog or push your stroller if you have kids or whatever it is. Like get in the neighborhood, call for sale by owner signs, look at stuff, and really that's how you get to know uh, the real estate market. And then on the other side, the numbers. It's just really a matter. Real estate math is actually not that complicated. It's it's just like algebra and addition and subtraction. But there, there are some. Some formulas and some kind of basic. And you, you, like for example, you, know, you really want to know how how your market's doing with the ratio of rent to prices. So like if you go, San Francisco is not the same as Clemson, South Carolina, where I live. You know, the a uh, five hundred thousand dollar house in San Francisco is going to have a much lower rent, or you, you're going to you're going to get a much lower rent to, to price ratio there than you are in another area. So you just got to know that and look at those numbers and study the financials of your market to understand. You know what's a good deal and what's not in your market.
0: So, what's the one piece of advice you'd give to um, someone who's twenty-four who has five thousand dollars saved uh, and they're looking to start investing?
2: Uh, you know my favorite tool in the whole arsenal, the whole toolbox that I have is is the house hack. I'll that real quick for you, if you want. So, a house hack—if you haven't heard of it before—is basically where you. You buy a a real estate property to move into as your principal residence, but you buy it based on the fact that you're going to rent out part of that property to produce some income to help you make make your mortgage payment or to even cover your mortgage payment completely. And so this could be, um, you know, it could be a like when I did that, when I was 24, um, I bought a, a four unit building in my town. And so I lived in one unit and I rented out the other three units for $400 a piece. And that was Fourteen years ago, or thirteen years ago, so it was a lot long time ago. But um, the rents would be higher now. But the point is, I had twelve hundred dollars coming in every month, and my P- my principal, interest, taxes, and insurance every month were like a thousand fifty or thousand eighty per month. So I was you know I was living for free, and so that and, and I had a very small down payment as well because it's an owner occupant loan and they have small down payment programs. So I think I think people can do that. Like if you have five thousand bucks. And you're willing to go, either buy you know a multi-unit property like that, or you could even buy a, a single-family house that has a basement that you could rent out on Airbnb, or it has a apartment over the garage or something. You know anything you can do to generate some income. The most the reason that's so important is you're 24 years old. You've now either eliminated or cut your housing payment in half. You can go take those savings and invest it somewhere else. Invest it in an index fund. Put it in your your traditional IRA. You know whatever you, whatever you're. Your strategy is, you've now just created a thousand or two thousand bucks a month in free cash flow that you wouldn't have had otherwise.
0: That's great. I mean, that's a great piece of advice. It's something that a lot of younger uh, investors or just people getting started probably just don't really think about. You know, 90% of the emails that I get on my blog from younger investors are what's the one stock that you'd recommend, Um, you know, or people that are looking for advice on day trading. So, just an awesome, very practical piece of advice. So, Final question, uh, Chad. So what's next? Um, hanging out in Ecuador, what for the rest of the year? Uh, what's the yeah. plan heading back to South Carolina, you know, and where can people find you?
2: Yeah. So what's next? That's a good question. Uh, I got to figure that out, but I'm, I'm going to take a lot of siestas down here and take a lot of walks. gotta <laughs> to, to figure it out. Uh, I'm, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book to put some of this stuff in my, in my head on, on paper. I don't know how to see how that will go. And, I'm having a lot of fun writing and blogging and so I, I write at coachcarson.com and so that's just it's, it's kind of a new business I've actually been reading you yeah, you, know, you I just checked out your your blogs and think you have a bunch of awesome information on blogging so that's been kind of a fun fun new venture for me and I'm, I'm excited about it and I'm just trying to share you know I, I kind of see it as like you know the first 15 years of my business career was my uh, PhD where I was trying to like study it and practice it and experiment and I figured out some things. I've got some scars, and so I'm trying to put all that into like a dissertation and to share it with people and put it out there and say, "Here's what I've learned. Here's what I don't know," and hope that helps you out. And that's that's sort of where I am with my own my own adventure.
0: Well, well hey, Chad, this was a real pleasure. When you finish that book, definitely hit us up. We'd love to to read it, review it, have you back on awesome. the podcast. This was just. Man, this was pure gold. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, very high
1: value. Thanks, guys. thanks a lot. Have a lot of fun.
2: Thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's
0: a pleasure. Super high value. So uh, stay in touch and uh, enjoy cool. that siesta. <laughs> Take care. I will. Thank, thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Millennial Money Minutes. If you liked this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe. If you want us to cover a specific topic, use hashtag Millennial Money on Twitter or visit MillennialMoneyMinutes.com